I teach a lot of a transformation, but this series has just been revolutionizing. You know, my life has been changed already this whole year by this. And I just, you know, I really, really encourage you to take heed and, and, to, and to be applying this thing. You know, like there is no uh, fruit in our life unless we do the word of God. Jesus said, my food is, is to do the will of God. And uh, a lot of times we think that uh, the food and the nourishment comes from hearing the word. And let me tell you, you're wrong. The food and the nourishment does not come from hearing the word. You know, that's, that's what stirs up faith. The food and the nourishment comes of doing the word. When you do the word, you know, you've meditated on it. And now you see the fruit. You see the testimony. You, you're doing the will of God. Now there is some real growth. Because now there's testimony. Now you have an experience. Now you, you have tasted and seen, not just heard. Are you with me? You know, that's why Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the Father. And Jesus was with the Father every day, and he would see him, and he would hear him, and then he would imitate. And he would do those things that he saw, and he would say those things that he heard. And so he's our, our main example, you know, for... Um, for the Word of God. So I want to do a super quick review. If you haven't heard these, um, uh, the, last, um, the last three parts or the last couple parts, last week was a, a different message. It was not part of the series. But um, we said that uh, why is it that the Word of God works for some people and not for others? <clears throat> As a matter of fact, this time I'm going to start the review on, on the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower you know, tells us that the, 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 the seed fell among some some among thorns, some in rocky ground, some in fertile soil, right? Some by the wayside. And it says that some produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. And that's exactly what we experience. We, you know, we come, we apply the word of God, we we believe it, we hear it, and some of it works 30% for us, some of it works amazing, you know, a hundred fold. And then some doesn't work at all for us. And we're like, what's happening? And then you have another person who's been, you know, at church for 10 minutes and it all works a hundredfold for them. You know, and then you have somebody over here that, and you see all kinds of things. You're like, how does this happen? Why is it so different? You know, what am I doing wrong? And we become all introspective and it's like, oh, I must not be worthy. I must, I must not be good enough. I probably need to pray harder. I probably need to do this. And we don't understand what's happening you know, but the Bible clearly tells us, it's like, it's because of the ground that it fell into. And that ground is our heart. And so the Lord gave me Jeremiah 1.10, and Jeremiah 1.10 says, I've given you today authority. So we have authority, we're not victims, we're just, like Nick says, willing participants. <laughs> you know, we're not victims. You know, the God, God has given us authority, he says, to, to tear down, to uproot, to destroy, to overthrow, and to plant, and to build. And so we have authority, you know, to take the reins of our life and co-labor with Jesus and co-labor with the Holy Spirit and really do amazing things for God. But a lot of times we don't do that part of tearing down, uprooting, you know, overthrowing and destroying and demolishing the things that in our life are opposing belief systems to the revelation that we receive from the word of God. And so when we allow those opposing beliefs and those opposing lies to live inside of us and we add new stuff and we build new things and plant new things, you know, these opposing beliefs are part of our subconscious and our subconscious is going to win every single time that it is facing our conscious beliefs. 
And th- so, th- so we said that's why we need to learn how to hide the Word of God in our hearts so that the Word of God becomes, you know, part of our subconscious. Our second nature is the Word of God. You know, that's what's in there, and we do this what, through meditation, right? And so through prayer, we bring down these strongholds, and we've been talking about, you know, the, the prayer. There's many different prayers, but like Proverbs 30, verse 8 in the Passion Translation says, Empty out of my heart everything that is false, every lie, and every crooked thing. How many of you have been praying that? It's a prayer for the brave, I'm telling you. <laughs> Empty out of my heart. You know, it's like, it's like, I think I told you guys, this little cartoon from the 90s, you know, Christian cartoons where, you know, his, this little stick guy, you know, praying, saying, Lord, you know, consume with your fire everything you don't like about me. And the next picture is just a pile of ashes. <laughs> it's like, <clears throat> people are afraid to pray prayers like that because they're, they're, they're afraid God's just going to go, boom, you know, with everything. He's not like that. You know, the Holy Spirit is so amazing and tender. He says he leads us into all truth. He's not looking to get rid of us. He's looking to upgrade us. But it takes us to say, yes, Lord. It takes us to say, okay, God, let's do this thing. Empty out of my heart everything that is false, every lie and every crooked thing. You know, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to show us things. Be like, okay, oh, okay, okay. You, you want to deal with that? All right. Let's deal with that. And it's between you and God, you know. Many times this process happens in Sozo, right? But, but this is something we want to continually uh, be cultivating ourselves and, and be dealing with because we don't want to be stuck in these cycles with this fruit in our life that we don't like. We don't want to have a limit. You know, you always just hit that limit and then pff, everything falls apart. And then you start over and then you hit that limit and it falls apart. Like, that's not God's will. John 10.10 10 says that he came that we might have life and we might have life more abundant. And so if our life isn't getting more abundant, right, then there's something fighting against it. And yes, the devil is bad, but it's not always him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's not always him. Sometimes he doesn't need our help. I mean, we're doing it to ourselves, you know. It's like, ah, those, those guys, like, they're pretty entertained chasing demons, but <laughs> they don't understand it's all just their childhood. <laughs> you know, it's all this bad experience that they had, and, you know, and we're stuck there. And so, so Lord, empty out of my heart everything that is false, every lie, every crooked thing is a prayer for the brave, and there's more coming. Next week, we're, we're kind of wrap this up, and I have a, a prayer, and I have some declarations that, that I will hand out to you. You can take home and you can pray and you can declare. Um, but, but this stuff is, is for those that really want transformation in their lives. For those that are like, hey, you know, I want to see a hundredfold of the promises of the Word of God happening in my life all the time. Because whenever I don't see it, yes, the devil opposes us. Yes, but we have authority over those things, you know. They we're talking about psych- life cycles that continue to happen over and over. That is not something a child of God should be stuck in for the rest of their lives. And those things are just part of our subconscious. They're things that, that we have not uprooted, torn down, destroyed, and overthrown. And we try to just plant over it, but it doesn't work that way. We're trying to build on top of it, but it's a shaky foundation. And we need to remove those things. We need to remove that debris in order that our soil, the soil of our life, is a hundredfold soil. 
a hundredfold producing soil. Amen? And so we talked about that, and we, and we said that we do that through prayer. We, did, we said we plant through meditation. We plant through meditation. And we said meditation in the Bible is directly linked to prosperity. Remember how many scriptures we read? It's like those who meditate on the word of the Lord, right? Everything they do will prosper. And meditation in the word of God is how we hide the word of God in our heart. You know, we read that scripture that says, you know, uh, that I may hide your word in my heart that I, may not, that I may not sin against you. So in other words, that when things get pressing, my reaction, my response, you know, is going to be one that is founded in the word of God, not one that is founded in emotions or in the flesh. Why? Because I've been hiding the word of God in me to the point that it becomes my second nature. The first thing that I do when things get tough is I pray. Why? Because I know the power of prayer. It's inside of me. It's not a religious act. It's not a religious thing. Um, and so we talked about uh, meditating, you know, uh, how powerful it is to do that in the morning and night, but also throughout the day, right? We, we've learned that, um, you know, of the thousands of 60,000 thoughts we have a day, 80% of those are the same, uh, 90% of those are the same as yesterday, and 80% of those are negative about ourselves and, and God and, and others. And so, um, so we, we need to renew our mind. We need to practice new meditation, meditating in the Word of God. How, how can I be meditating on the Word of God uh, more than before? Maybe I need to change what I'm listening to. Maybe I need to carry some reminders. Maybe I need to, how, how do I develop some new habits in order that I don't get pulled and sucked into the negative, you know, uh, media and the negative words and the negative news and everything that the world's constantly talking about that is negative because then that's going to dominate my thoughts and therefore I'm going to end up meditating on those things and producing those things in my life. And so how do I change what I'm listening to? How do I change the channel that I'm tuned into? You know, there's, there's things we can do about that and reminders we can do to, um, to stay connected to the Word of God and to the, to the good news and to meditate on what He says. And so through meditation, we plant the Word of God in our hearts, right? Maybe you need to start like a, a verse of the day or a verse of the week, you know, and, and, and maybe that scripture needs to be directly connected to the thing that you're dealing with in your life. Maybe you have a, a hard time with, maybe you deal with anger, right? So when you're meditating and, and you have a scripture, you know, you have one about self-control, right? I don't have a spirit of fear, you know, but instead I have a spirit of power, love, and self-control, right? And that's your scripture for the week. That's the one that you're hiding in your heart, that you're constantly meditating on. And when things go out of control, out of your control, you remember that. You go, no, I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control, a sound mind. Because, you know, all anger comes from, you know, not being able to be in control of something. That's really the root of anger, is that I can't control something. Or I don't have patience. And so if that's what you're dealing with, right, because you don't want to continue on these cycles of anger, and you don't want to continue on these cycles of, you know, yelling at your kids, and then, ah, oh, man, again, you know, I did it. Oh, oops, I did it again. <laughs> I don't know why that came. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I was gonna blame it on our teenagers, but they, I don't know. They don't hear that. That's like ancient. This is like oldies for them. <laughs> so, anyways, 
Um, moving on. <laughs> and then, um, so that's meditation, right? I want to be meditating on the Word of God, but not just on anything. You know, what specifically is the Holy Spirit dealing with me in my heart, right? And that's, those are the promises that I, that I need to be meditating on. And those are the things that I need to be putting in my heart, okay? So that when things get tough, you know, that's what comes out. If you're afraid of the economy, right, then you need to, to be meditating on scriptures that talk about how God is your provider. You need to be talking about, you need to be meditating on scriptures of how, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack, right? You need to be meditating on these kind of scriptures so that whenever, oh, newsflash and, you know, this is, it's, the world's about to end and you're not going to have money or jobs or anything, you know, all the resources, you go, no, 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 I can stay at peace because the Lord is my provider, my father is a good father. He takes care of me, you know. <clears throat> and so that's how we are going to uh, bring meditation in. That's the part of planting and hiding the word of God in our heart that it becomes our second nature, okay? That it becomes a thing that we react on. It's like, it's the word of God. Oh, no, there's a scripture about that. No, there's a scripture about that. You know, let me tell you, if you're new to the word of God, this, is, this doesn't happen overnight. It's a process, but it's okay. You start where you're at. You know, I remember for years, for years, for years as a teenager, like, my go-to scripture was like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I don't think I had very many scriptures that I knew, but it was like, oh, Philippians 4.13, I, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me Anything would happen, you know, something that would come that was like harder to handle than an 18-year-old could handle, you know, I was like... I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can, because I, the, the alternative was to go in a tailspin of fear and anxiety of this is over. You know? And I'm talking about like there was times when we were at a Central American border with a box truck full of equipment and two vans and four gringos that didn't know anything about anything. And I was the only Mexican that speaks Spanish. I was 18 years old. I was the youngest one. And it was like, they would hit me with like all these forms in order to cross the border. And all I knew is like, we're going to be stuck there or they were going to steal our stuff and leave us walking, you know, because you don't know what's going on in these countries. And I was like, ah. And so my only go-to thing many times was like, oh no, I can do all things through Christ's strength with me. I can do all things through Christ's strength with me. The spirit of wisdom is upon me, you know. And, um, and somehow we made it through and, and back, you know. And so <clears throat> we, we start with where we're at, you know. So don't get over more like, oh, man, I, I'm, you know, this old and I don't know this many scriptures. Like, you know, just start, you know, looking for. And there's people here that will help you and that, and that will, you know, teach you and guide you and be like, oh, there's, you know, this is what the word says about that and will help you. But the point is to be meditating on the Word of God and putting that in our heart because there's nothing more powerful than the Word of God, you know? And it's the Word of God inside of us that will produce transformation for life. And so uh, that's meditating. And then today we're talking about declaration. And declaration is the part in Jeremiah where it talks about, you know, uh, all the demolition, then planting, and then building, okay? Our words build. And many of you have heard this message, you know, for many, many years, right? The power of our words and all this stuff. And so today we're going to talk a little bit different about it. And, um, and we're going to talk about these declarations on how we build. And then next week we're going to wrap it all up. And I'm going to give you a, a longer prayer to pray every morning. And I'm going to give you a list of declarations that you can, um, you can do every day and every morning. And, uh, you know, as the Holy Spirit's leading you to do this. Amen? All right, so that's review, and let's go to...
Come with me to the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, please. Hmm. And it's 10.09. Wow. <laughs> exactly, right? That's a Troy Brewer moment right there. <laughs> Go to Romans 10.9, and it's 10.09. That means we're on the right verse. <laughs> It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, okay? So eternity is changed. Like, you got to think about this. Sometimes we're frustrated that we can't change one thing about one little thing in our life. But when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, your whole eternity changed forever. Like, that's pretty big. You know, heart and mouth connected together in agreement have a lot of power. And then verse 10, and it's 10.10, says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Okay, so it's by believing in the heart and declaring with our mouth. Right? By believing in our heart, declaring with the mouth. This is how... Everything in the kingdom happens and comes to pass. It's what we believe in our heart and we declare with our mouth, it happens. And somewhere along the lines, there was a disconnect on that message and it just became anything you say. Anything you say. And you're confusing with the Miranda rights because that's anything you say can be used against you in the court of law. But, but, you know, they don't care about what you believe. No. So the word of God is what you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Okay, what you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that has incredible, incredible amount of power. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Actually, go to Proverbs 18, 21. Sorry, 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says, I believe, therefore I spoke. I believe, again, therefore I spoke. First in the heart, then with my mouth. Um, Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat its fruit. Or this one says, those who, lo those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Right? Different, different translations. It, which means is that it can be consequences as in a bad connotation, or it could be fruit as in a good connotation. Okay? Because it's depending on what you use your tongue for, what your words that you're, you're going to have a, a consequence, you're going to have a fruit, you're going to have a return on your words, okay? Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 15 and verse 11, please. Okay, so life and death is in the power of the tongue. Everything in between also, right? So life and death, the, the, the two extremes, they're in the power of our words. We can speak to create. We can speak to destroy. You know, the, the, that saying that um, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's false. <laughs> words actually have more power. They hurt more. They do more damage, you know. 
because they can build up or destroy, you know. If you think about the whole, the prophetic gifting, you know, it's, it's, it, it revolves around words. In the New Testament, you know, it tells us it's, it's the words to build up, to encourage, to edify, to build up, to draw near to God, right? It's through words. It's, it's the word of God. So words are incredibly powerful. We can, we can build people around us or we can tear down people around us. Hmm. How many of you are words of affirmation in your love language? You know, and then times 10 for all of you. Yeah, right? Well, our words are powerful, not just from an encouragement standpoint, but from like they carry a spiritual power. Now, let, let me say this, though. It is uh, not just what we say, but it's what we believe that we say. Okay? And so um, if you've ever been around someone who's really serious about their words, um, if you've encountered the words police, the words and semantics police, it's not fun to be around them. It's not fun to be around them, you know. And so, so th- th- as a matter of fact, there's a lot of fear involved in those, in those people. And, and if you're one of those, you know, I'm not, you know, coming against you or anything like that. But we do need to learn, like, because we, we came from movements, like, that, that were very serious about your words. And you said one wrong word, and it's like, ah, that, watch out, be careful. That's, mm, ah, I'm going to move over here. You know, like, don't you be saying those things around me. It's like, okay, calm down, man. Like, it was a joke. Or, you know, why? Because the real, the words that have real power are those that we believe. Not just those that we just say, you know, like that. So we can calm down. But at the same time, we have to know that the words that we say also don't have a lot of power unless we believe them. Jesus even referred to some of the words as empty words, you know, when he was saying, like, don't just babble around and don't just, like, pray repeatedly with no meaning. He said, those are empty words. You don't believe them. You know, when we pray, some, some prayers carry more weight than others. Why? Because the person praying it either believes it or doesn't believe it. You know, some people were walking uh, around, was it Paul, right, the one we were talking about this morning, and they were casting out demons, you know, and, and Paul's, they were trying to cast out demons, and they were trying to do these things because they thought it was cool, you know, and, and they end up actually getting beat up by these people, you know, because their words didn't really have the power and the authority they did because they, they weren't loaded with belief, they were just kind of like trying it out, you know. And so a lot of times... Here's the danger. The danger is that we can say things that we want to believe, but we don't fully yet believe. And we fail to acknowledge that, and then we get disappointed when nothing happens. So, Matthew 15, 11... um, it said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, you're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. And then if we go to verse 18, please. In verse 18, um, there we go. It says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. So what comes from the heart, saying those, those are the important ones. Those are the ones that can defile you. Those are the ones that have... Meaning. Those are the ones that have more power. Those are the ones that are carrying something to build or to destroy. Okay? And so we want words that come from our heart. Those are the ones that we want to use to build. Okay? 
when we're declaring in faith, when we're speaking over ourselves, when we're speaking over our family, when, when we're you know, speaking something into faith, we want to first make sure that we believe those things in our heart. Let's go to Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Mark eleven twenty-three. There is an endless amount of scripture that talks about the power of our words. You can see how Jesus did it. You know, in verse 23, actually I'll start from verse 20. So what had happened here is Jesus found that fig tree that had no fruit. And he's like, he said, may nobody ever eat fruit from you again. Um, and then the next day, says verse 20, next morning as they passed by the fig tree they, uh, that he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith. He thought, hmm, teachable moment. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. So he's like, you can do great things, but here's the catch. You must really believe it. Just saying it won't cut it. See that? Just saying it won't cut it. You must really believe it and have no doubt in your heart. So let me tell you something. This is not hard, okay? This just takes a little bit longer time to process because it has to be what? Planted in my heart. I have to be able to see it in my heart first. I have to really believe it in my heart first. And nobody knows that except you and God. I can say, I can say something and then you don't, you, know, you don't know if I believe it or not. So it's only between us and God that, that, that we know like, okay. And sometimes we don't even know. And we're going to get to that. It says, but have faith in God. It says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up. It said, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. You know, he said also that you, if you have faith like a mustard seed, which is a very small amount of faith. And everybody would go, oh, I have that kind of faith. Like, pff, you know, put me down for a mustard seed. Like, I have that, you know. And... But it's not talking about the size of faith. It's talking about the purity of faith. Okay? And so it's simple faith, but it's pure faith. And it says, you must really believe in your heart, have no doubt. So I tell you, you can pray for anything. Gosh. Like, he's like a blank check. God is telling you, you can ask me for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. So again, we can pray. We can speak. We can declare anything, but we have to have believed it in our heart first. It says, when you are praying, and check this out, I'm going to prove to you right here in this next verse that it is so connected to the condition of our heart. Like, what else is going on in your heart? Because it says here, but when you are praying first, it's like, okay, we're going to move mountains. Sounds good. Let's move mountains. But first... Forgive one another if you're holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Amen. First, we're going to change the world. All right. We're going to believe through amazing, huge things. All right. Let's do that. But first, let's check your heart because, you know, I just told you, it has, you have to believe from your heart, you know. And so if your heart is all, 
yucky, you know, with bitterness and with anger and with offense, and you can't get over the fact that somebody just did some... Man, people get offended over the... What do we call it? Pettiness. Of the, the pettiest things ever. It's like the Lord's like, okay, come on. I want to do great things with you, but we got to get past this thing. Come on. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I thought that was a pausable moment right there. You know, God wants to do great things, great things with us. But he cares about the condition of our heart more than moving the mountain. But Lord, this is for you. Yeah, thanks. But but let, let's talk about your heart. No, God, let's move this mountain and everybody will see how amazing you are. Yeah, but first, you got to forgive your pastor. I mean, your old pastor. Your old, old pastor. But God, I'm not even in that church anymore. <laughs> but God, like, I don't even see these people anymore. Like, yeah, I know. I have a big calling for you in your life, and I, I want to move mountains with you. But I care more about the condition of your heart. I care more about the condition of your heart than all the amazing things you're going to do with all that money when I give it to you. But Lord, if you just give me all this money, then we could just finish up the orphanage and build up the, the, the church fund and find a huge property and get a great church. Yes, that would be amazing. But first, let's look at your heart. So dang, do you see why I'm like, can you just work on your heart? Because <laughs> our building fund's waiting for you. <laughs> That's why, that's why we work on our heart all the time, you know. We, we've, we've come to realize, like, this, this is it. Like, if, 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 we don't, if we don't cultivate our heart so that it's producing good fruit, then everything that we can do is only man-made. Yeah. It's only manly effort, and that's exhausting. And it changes everything. It changes the, the spirit of everything, you know. We'll go from caring about what people's, condition of life is to just caring what people can do and that just it feels different you know it's not the same and so anyways um this would be a series that you could come back to any any time you want you know because obviously um can't teach just about this stuff all the time but i, I just think it's incredibly important that we learn how to address any issue in life and how it comes from the heart that anything that we're dealing with is always connected with our heart in one way or another. And just to allow the Holy Spirit to, okay, let's, let's clean up and let's build up and plant some more and, and do this the right way because I don't want to be stuck on this again. You know? And so, um, <clears throat> and in verse, okay, so we, we did read uh, all the way through 3 and 5. Let's go, let's go to Romans chapter 4 um, and verse 17. All right. Is this helping anybody? Okay, so uh, remember, we're answering this question of why, you know, why there's 
still things in my life that keep coming back up? Why is there still things in my life after so many years of being in the gospel, so many years like there's still these things that I can't shake, these things that are still bugging me down, you know, these, this thing that I can't seem to produce in my life, you know, what is it, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit knows. And so we want to learn how to address these things so that we can be fruitful, 30, 60, 100-fold fruitful. So in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, you know, it's talking about the, um, the father of the faith, Abraham. And it says, um, that, that, is what the, that is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing or who calls the things that are not as though they are. And then verse 18 says, even though, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And so if you remember one of the things that uh, God gave Abraham, not only changed his name, because now every time he said his name, he was declaring and calling him father of many nations, father of many nations. So God, before, before God ever used words to communicate, he used words to create, right? In Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. And he created with his words. And he made us in his likeness and image. It tells us in Psalms that, you know, he made us a little lower than Elohim, than himself, right? So we have the same characteristics of God that we can build and create with our words, that our words have power, okay? I mean, even to this day, we could get into the scientific side and, and, and see how our words actually carry energy. They're like energy packets, you know, and they're, they're, they're either building or tearing down. And so, um, you know, when, when he changed Abraham's name, you know, he, he, he was calling him, calling the things that are not as though they were. He was calling him father of many nations, even though he was old in age and couldn't have kids. And then he also gave him a picture, and he gave him the picture of the stars in the sky, and he said, this is, this is what your descendants are going to be like, right? So he needed also a vision to connect his heart to. And that's why I tell you all the time, it's just so important that when you read the Word of God and you go, okay, Philippians 4, 19, you know, for my God supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You can't just memorize the verse. You have to be able to see yourself in that verse and see yourself in, with your God supplying all your needs according to his riches, which is abundant riches, and, and being able, able to see yourself with no lack, with no need, with abundance to be a blessing to others and be able to experience, be like, oh man, thank you, God. That feels so good. The Bible said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Therefore, God wants to get the resources to me so that I can give more. See, and so you want to be able to see yourself and have this picture of you in God's promises and see yourself in those promises. Like God is a God of redemption and restoration. So if there's broken relationships in your family, you, you need to meditate on that word, but you need to be able to see yourself in that restoration, in that relationship restored with your family members or with whatever it is. And here's the problem. When we don't... Um, when we don't, when we're not able to see ourselves in a promise, or when we don't, you know, which is, I believe, is is one one way that we know if we really, if we're getting there to really believing. Listen, you know, I said a few moments ago, it's like sometimes we don't know if we're believing. Well, you need to be able to see yourself. That's that's one way that we get closer to knowing, like, do I really believe? It? It's because I can see myself in it. I can see myself in that promise. 
I can feel what it's like. You know, I can feel what that promise fulfilled is in my life. To the point that it puts a physical smile on my face as I'm imagining this. God has a spouse for you. God has a spouse for me. 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 Oh, aren't you smiling? (laughs) Maybe you can't see it yet. You can't fully, maybe you don't fully believe it yet, right? So you need to be able to see yourself in there, you know, in that picture and seeing a man of God. Who, who, who leads you, you know, into the word, who leads you in your family to church and who, who leads a spiritual family, like, you need to be able to see that, right? And when you see that, you actually feel happy because your brain can't even tell the difference of whether it's true or not. And you're like, oh, man, I'm so in love with who? I don't know yet, but... <laughs> Like, God's got someone for me because he cares about me. He's got good plans and a good future. You have to be able to see yourself in there. Come on, really? Now I have a beeper? (laughs) Snooze that thing. (laughs) Wow. We're getting getting tight here at Vita Church. Like, time to go. All right. I am landing this plane. Seems like we're losing pressure in the cabin. Um, and so, so you want to be able to see yourself in it. You want to be able to feel this in it because here's the danger. The danger is when people go around declaring things they don't fully believe because they actually create a bigger mess inside of them. Okay. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when somebody goes around just declaring something, but they don't believe it, there's no heart connection. There's no picture. There's no joy attached to it. They can't see themselves in it. When they go around saying this stuff, they're actually creating a bigger cognitive dissonance, which we've said that's an internal hypocrisy, right? That's like you have an opposing belief fighting the new thing that you're saying. And we said subconscious will win every single time. And so, so you want to believe it first and then confess it later. You want to believe it and see it and feel it and then start speaking those things. In other words, there's a little bit more of heart prep that goes into this creating with our words, okay, than just go around. You got to say it 300 times a day. You say 300 times a day. How many? And you're like, 300 times a day. It's like, yes, that is awesome, but do you really believe it? You have to meditate. You have to, you know, you have to get your heart aligned. You, you want to get your mouth aligned to your heart, not expect your heart to align to what you're saying. You know, salvation came because you believe in your heart and then you spoke with your mouth. And so healing comes because you believe in your heart, you see it, and you, you speak it. Otherwise, we, we become frustrated, you know, that stuff isn't happening or that it's, it's not taking. And, and you just, I, I got to say it more. I got to say it more. I got to say it louder. And it's like, no, 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 no. That actually, it's going to create frustration inside of you. So may I suggest that sometimes your declaration needs to be more like, I'm ready to start believing for my healing. 
rather than I'm healed, 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 and you're not healed. You're like lying to yourself. You know, I got to tell you, sometimes I, I, in my healing process, I, I didn't declare it like that. I said things like, God's power is working in me, and today will be better than yesterday. God's healing power is working on me, and today will be better than yesterday. And every day for the last, you know, since April 2021 has been better than the day before. There's been no regression. There's been nothing like that, you know. And, and I believe every day is better. And so I want to, you know, there's a difference between I want to believe and I believe. This will set some of you free. There's a big difference, and it doesn't make you any less spiritual, any less powerful. There's a big difference between I believe and I want to believe. And there was this man that came to Jesus, and Jesus asked him if he believed. And he said, yes, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What was he saying? He's like, I know you can. I know you want to. I know you will do it for me. Kind of. I want to believe, but help my unbelief. And he was so honest with where he was at. He still received from God. And sometimes we need to be honest with God. It was like, Lord... I know you want to restore this part of my life. I know you, I've been carrying this sickness for 20 years and I know you want to heal it, but help my unbelief. Help me where I'm at because I, I don't, ah, I can't fully see it yet. And the Lord is okay with that. And you can instead declare something like, I'm ready to start believing for my freedom. I am ready to start believing for the next level in my healing. I'm ready for the next thing because what you don't want to do is try to trick yourself. That hurts you. It makes you feel like a hypocrite. And that actually causes more harm. It's like, you know, like taking a step back. And so uh, I'm going to end with this. And I have a a couple of declarations I want to read over you. But um, uh, just just close your eyes where you're at, you know. And, you know, if you're like, no, Pastor, you know, like, I just, whatever I declare, that's done. I don't need to water down my declaration. That's fine. You know, that, that's okay. That's, that's where you're at. But not everybody's there. And I want to make sure, because this, this faith thing, as, as much as it has helped a lot of people, it also has harmed a lot of people that have said, well, I'm not worthy. I don't have enough faith. I'm not good enough. And that's not true, because he makes no respecter of persons. It's just that some people have more damage under the hood than others. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Some people have a really weedy garden. Some people have a very broken childhood. Some people have really a lot deeper wounds from religion than others. And so we can't just say, like, it is just absolutely this way. And, and why? Because other people are going to feel inadequate, unworthy, not spiritual enough. And that's not, and that's not truth. We're all children. We all have the same access, but some people have uh, some things to heal that are different than other people. And those things are affecting how the word produces um, fruit in our lives. And so today I just want you to have that permission and, and feel like, okay, you know, if I don't believe this, I'm not bad, 
But here's the question, okay? And, and listen to this. Listen to this very carefully. If I don't fully believe something, you're not bad. The question is, Holy Spirit, what inside of me is so strongly opposing your word? Okay, listen. What belief system, what um, childhood memory, what image, negative image, what destructive uh, cellular inheritance belief in me is so strongly opposing your word in me? That is the real question. And the Holy Spirit is so amazing. He leads us into all truth. He'd be like, yes, there's this one thing that got planted in your heart at this point or with this negative experience or with this traumatic experience, and it's strongly opposing the very fact that God wants to be your provider. And that's why you will never let God be your provider. And that's why you have to control things so tightly. <laughs> you know, or something like that. That's the real question, Lord. What in my heart is so strongly opposing this thing that I can't see myself into this promise? I can't seem to fully believe that this is for me. I can't see. And the Holy Spirit may be like, yes, because when you grew up or this time in your life, you were rejected and you felt like you were not worthy of anything good. Therefore, when something is too good, even if it's in the Bible, you directly oppose it because you're trying to protect your heart from being disappointed again. So that's the question, family. It's like, what, what inside of me, you know, what, what wrong belief in me is opposing the truth of the word of God? 